What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Tomatolito Boxing Show. And uh, hey, we're <laughs> just days away from trying to make sense as to what happened this past weekend. Um, or days removed, I guess, from from what should have been a huge boxing weekend, especially in the UK between uh, Conor Ben and uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Of course, that fight ended up getting postponed and uh, and potentially canceled from the looks of it. Conor Ben, of course, ended up uh, failing a um, sample A, or at least it was discovered that he failed uh, that that his sample A testing from uh, that VADA had uh, recovered. Uh, ended up uh, tainted for and testing positive for clomiphene, and um, and so there's a sample B that's still still waiting to for those results to come out as of as of the recording of this episode, and the fight ended up not going through. There was a legal legal discussions and and legal stuff going on there trying to get the fight to continue and uh, discrediting what Vada had done and Vada's discoveries. And putting all the weight on the UCAT, uh, who is whom the British Board of Boxing Control, or British Boxing Board of Control, is uh, works hand in hand with uh, UCAT, of course, being the um, the USADA of the UK, right? The the uh, United Kingdom Anti-Doping Agency. Here we have USADA in the US. Uh, and then, of course, you got the other organizations like uh, WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Agency. You have VADA, which is voluntary, and that's who made the discovery as to the um, the failed sample, uh, the failed uh, A sample of uh, of Conor Ben's um, testing positive for clomiphene on that one, or at least samples of clomiphene on that one, or taintings or what have you either way the fight was postponed they try to have it continue and uh, and it's possibly for for the very best of both the health of the fighters the safety of the fighters that it didn't happen however what a freaking crap show that was for all the fans uh what a that that's it was just a sour deal for all the fans uh, from from abroad, from not just the UK, but everywhere else. The people that were traveling, people that had hotel reservations, uh, that had uh, flights, and, uh, and and then of course the tickets were no, they weren't cheap at all, and uh, and so the fans end up losing on that one. That was going to be a huge, huge. That was going to not just a huge fight, but it was going to steal the show this past Saturday night, and uh, and so the the. Other boxing event that took place was out in Carson, and that's the one we're going to focus on uh, on this episode. Carson, California was a host of uh, Sebastian Fundora, the Towering Inferno. Uh, he headlined that event. Of course, I'll, I'll be putting out another episode or a, or a separate episode on the Ben Eubank Jr. Uh, ramifications, the fallout, the aftermath of what happened there. But let's talk about Sebastian Fundora because... Sebastian Fundora has basically just uh, skyrocketing and sending a message to the 154-pound division uh, from for the last couple years now, and he's been on the up and up. Uh, he now sits with the victory this past Saturday uh, over uh, Carlos Ocampo. Uh, he now sits at a perfect record of 20-0-1. Of course, that draw came back in uh, in 2019 against uh, Jamonte Clark. Uh, that was a 10-round fight for him, but he's 20-0-1 with 13 of those 20 victories coming by way of knockout. And, uh, and of course, 
The talks have been that Sebastian Fundora is lining up and he currently holds and defended that interim version of the WBC title and he is um, the mandatory and the next in line for Jermel Charlo. And a fight would uh, not just secure a WBC title fight, but potentially be a, an undisputed title fight. Of course, Jamel would only have to fight for the uh, for the WBC, but I'm sure all the titles would end up being on the line uh, if that fight was to be made. Uh, Jermel is your current undisputed champion at 154 pounds after successfully defeating uh, earlier this year in a rematch fight against Brian Castaño. And um, and since then, we don't have any news on when Jermel Charlo will come back. It looks like there's uh, negotiations going on between him and Tim Sue uh, to take place either late December or January. And that's a fight that's um, that's being sought after. And uh, and if we were to look at who's next in line for Jermel Charlo, it has to be this man, Sebastian Fundora or Tim Sue at this moment. And sitting here, now that I saw the fight, now that I witnessed the fight uh, between Fundora and Ocampo, I have to tell you, I I don't know if Sebastian Fundora is ready for Jermel Charlo. Not if they're a performance like the one that, that we just saw him have against Carlos Ocampo. Carlos Ocampo, of course, uh, very game fighter. Uh, he's a journeyman style fighter with a good record, 34. And now his record sits with the second loss, 34 and two, 22 of those, uh, 34 victories have come by way of knockout for him. His sole loss leading into the fight with Sebastian Fundora was a, a knockout loss. Uh, as he was stopped in the first round by none other than Errol Spence back in 2018. From there, if you look at his, uh, his resume, you'll find, um, slim pickings. A lot of journeymen, a lot of up and coming fighters, a lot of fighters with, uh, with losing records, uh, or, or starting records, barely, uh, up and coming records. Uh, you have them fighting, uh, Johnny Navarrete. Uh, that's, a that's a fighter from, uh, or a fight that he had back in 2015. Johnny Navarrete was also on the up and up back then. Uh, he ended up winning Ocampo, beat him by unanimous decision. Jorge Paez Jr., that's another, uh, recognizable name in the Mexican, uh, circles. Uh, of course, he's, uh, the son of Maromero Paez, um, who had fights with the likes of, you name them, including Oscar De La Hoya back in the early 90s. Uh, so he was a late 80s, early 90s fighter. Jorge Paz Jr. has had fights with uh, with the juniors, right? With uh, Omar Chavez Jr. and uh, I think even Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. So other than that, Errol Spence was the biggest name he had on there. Nobody else of note uh, looking at his resume. And... Uh, but he has a, a decent record uh, to be able to get himself into this fight. He stepped in as 34-1 and one with that one loss being uh, by way of knockout, uh, like we just mentioned against Errol Spence. Now he has a second loss, and this was a decision loss, which was a fairly one-sided fight uh, for Sebastian Fundora uh, as far as the judges saw it. We ended up seeing a different fight. I ended up seeing a Carlos Ocampo who was very game, who landed some really, really heavy leather, leather on, uh, on Fundora, had some good punches on Fundora. Of course, he started getting worn out, uh, by the later stages, but Fundora got hit a lot, a lot 
by a Carlos Ocampo. Carlos Ocampo was a game fighter, a shorter fighter at that, uh, had reach disadvantages, height disadvantages, but he was very speedy, very crafty, and managed to get his punches and continue to catch Fundora with overhands, uh, whether it was an overhand right or an overhand left, continue to catch Fundora whenever Fundora would drop his gloves. Uh, and and it was time and again, it wasn't flukes, it was time and again and again and again that Ocampo continued to find success uh, throughout the night. And uh, the scores were, I mean, you look at these scores and they were one-sided. It's almost like the judges had already decided to give this victory to Fundora before the fight even started because they didn't know who Carlos Ocampo was, even though... You have scores like 117-111, 118-110, 119-109. The fight was a lot closer than that. And it probably was a three or four round swing of a fight because Carlos Ocampo did enough and punched enough to, and, and, and even hurt Fundora on several occasions. Not that wobbled him or could have knocked him out or knocked him down at that. But he was hurting him, and he was having him step back. Fudora, after the fight, ended up saying that uh, that he just wanted to practice his boxing, that he wanted to execute uh, a, more of a boxing game plan on this fight, and uh, then then just go in there and demolish his opponent. But the truth of the matter is, if that was the case, uh, we we never saw, at least I never saw, the uh, instance where Fundora could have taken Ocampo out. He had some really good moments, some moments where he hurt Ocampo against the rope, some moments where I thought that he was going to be um, potentially dropping him and getting him out of there, and then he would just take his foot off the gas or was unable to close out the show. Ocampo was hurt on numerous occasions and continued to fight his way back into uh, into the fight and get himself back into the fight Uh and that's how the story was told. This version of Sebastian Fundora that we just saw this past Saturday night is not a Fundora that has much to offer to a Jermel Charlo just going off of this last performance. Now, his previous performance when it came against... Uh, um, when was his last fight? Fundora's last fight was... Oh, the Erickson Lubin fight, of course. That was back uh, earlier this year. That Erickson, that version of Fundora where it, that was just a phone booth style, um, back and forth power punching type fight between the two. The hammer, the hammer that Lubin possesses and the power that Erickson Lubin is known for, uh, against Sebastian Fundora's height and power, um, behind his punches was an awesome, awesome display for both fighters, but of course for Fundora, even more, more impressive where he ended up stopping Erickson Lubin in the ninth round. Uh, that was the Fundora that we saw glimpses of being able to challenge Jermel Charlo and being able to hold his own against Jermel Charlo. What we saw, the version of, of Fundora that we saw on Saturday was, uh, was not the one that's giving us hopes for someone to stand in there and stand and bang with uh, Jermel Charlo. Jermel would be able to figure him out. Jermel's obviously shown in his last three, four, five, six fights that he's able to adapt to his opponents, especially when we're looking at a, at a Jermel Charlo who changed his styles and adapted to Brian Castaño uh, in back-to-back -back fights. Uh, a, a Charlo that ended up... Uh, adapting to a style of a Jason Rosario, Erickson Lubin himself, um, Tony Harrison, Austin Trout. I mean, impressive 
resume that that Jamel Charlo has, and he shows that he's not just who I used to perceive as a power punching machine who didn't have as good a refined boxing or or as good a skill skill set as his brother Jamal, who campaigns at 160. Yet he proved me wrong in that rematch with Brian Castaño, a fight that I was able to witness live. He proved me completely wrong. He adapted to the style. He was able to uh, box beautifully and both from the inside and outside and not just be a counter puncher, not just wait for to land that big power punch, but rather boxed his way to a beautiful victory, eliminated the weapons that Brian Castaño had that night, interrupted the flow of the fight, the rhythm of Brian Castaño, and ended up uh, stopping Brian Castaño uh, in a valiant effort. Uh, Jermel Charlo would definitely stop this version that we just saw of Sebastian Fundora. So I think, I think Fundora has a one more fight to be able to really make claim for that fight or at least prepare for that fight if he's going to continue holding this interim version of the WBC title. He needs another fight, and he needs to look even more impressive, just like he did against the, uh, against Lubin, uh, and bounce back from this fight. It could very well be that because Ocampo's not a, a more known name, that Sebastian Fundora couldn't get up for this fight. That he just that it was somewhat of a, a regular camp uh, or a subpar camp rather than a fully heated camp when you have a bigger name stepping in the ring against you. Uh, so it could be that, and that's something that's happened in, in boxing past, and something that we've covered on this on this show in the past. Jermel Charlo is a big threat, and a fight against Tim Sue is the one that we definitely want to see now uh, after this performance. And this gives Sebastian Fundora one more chance, hopefully, uh, before the year ends, if he's able to get into another fight. If not, early 2023, and uh, and really cement his spot and his claim at going after Jermel Charlo, of course. Now we're going to look forward to Charlo Sue, uh, if that fight ends up taking place. And, uh, and that, that should be a really, really good fight where I see Jamel Charlo also being successful in that fight. Uh, Tim Sue is definitely got power behind him. He's got good hands, decent speed behind the delivery of his punches, but I don't see him offering much of a threat, uh, to Jamel Charlo. I would see Fundora being, uh, more of a threat to Jermel Charlo because of his height, the challenges uh, alone that are presented with his height, with his reach, uh, and with his punching power, keeping Charlo at bay. But now we saw Ocampo being able to land punches after punches after punches and in heavy succession and having um, a lot of success. Uh, if he would have had a little more power, he would have, like Charlo does, he would have taken Fundora down and we saw Lubin being able to uh, damage Fundora as well earlier this year so I see Jermel Charlo being able to pose a real real threat and potentially stop Sebastian Fundora um, so we'll see let's see if Charlo uh, will keep an eye on that uh, and see if Charlo Sue happens uh, but for now Sebastian Fundora is still he remains undefeated and uh, and maybe he just had an off night but nonetheless he's possibly the the next name and the next biggest name at that 154 pound division posing a threat to everybody else and uh and next in line for Jermel Charlo once he's done handling his business with Tim Sue or if that fight falls through then of course Fundora would be the the next name that makes sense to step in there against Jermel who else was in this card let's find out because there was a lot 
there was a lot of other names that fought. We had a mini, uh, someone that I thought looked just like a Pitbull Cruz, but a mini version of him with blue hair was, uh, was Martinez. And, uh, and Martinez ended up retaining the title that he lifted from Jerwin Ancajas earlier this year. That was a good fight. And, uh, Jerwin Ancajas just basically resorted to being, he, Jerwin Ancajas to me is no different than a Casimero. Um, who else pops, pops or comes to mind here? Uh, what's his name? McSayo, Mark McSayo, that's the other guy that I was thinking about. They have this, uh, they kind of adopted this style of Manny Pacquiao, the in and out, the wavy style where they, they go in, they go out, uh, they have good punching power. A lot of it is from in close and, uh, and it's, it's that, that bob and weave, uh, in and out type style that Pacquiao, it's like the Pacquiao blueprint. And, uh, and so Jerwin Anka has fights like that, very wide footed, uh, and, and, and delivers his punches very similar to like a Mark McSayo, to a Casimero. Uh, Nonito Donero, of course, he's in a class of his own, and he has his own different style. He never adopted that many Pacquiao style. Uh, Nonito Donero is a little bit different. He's on a different page to me. But Jerwin Anka has, has that style. So how do you defeat that style? Well, Martinez ended up doing it in the first fight, and here he goes doing it again. Martinez just took the fight. He fights like Pitbull Cruz. He was a blue-haired mini version of Pitbull Cruz, if you could imagine that, because Pitbull's pretty small himself. But Martinez just took the fight to him. He has an iron chin, and uh, as does Ancajas, because he didn't get dropped, and he didn't get taken out of the fight, even though he was severely hurt and hurt for numerous rounds. Martinez continued to get hit with really clean punches right on the chin and just handled them and continued walking Joe and Ancajas down for the majority of the fight. He just took the fight to him and continued landing power after power after power punch. And... uh and, and retained his title. This was a decision victory for him as well. And, uh, and now he's passed. He can officially close the chapter with Jerwin Ancajas and Ancajas is no longer a big threat. Yes, he's still a top name, uh, in the, in the 115 division, but he's no longer as big a threat as, uh, as we used to think, uh, should he have faced, uh, some of the top names like Gallo, like Chocolatito, or a Bam Rodriguez. Now, I mention Bam Rodriguez because Martinez and Bam Rodriguez would be an absolute phone booth, head-on car collision. Like, this this is a head-on clash waiting to happen. Bam Rodriguez and, uh, and Fernando Daniel Martinez would be an absolute, absolute fight of the year, or at the minimum, a fight of the year candidate if that was to happen. That would be an awesome, awesome fight to look forward to. What else happened in this undercard? We move up to 160 pounds. Of course, this past weekend, we should have had Eubank Jr., who campaigns at 160 in that catchway fight against Conor Ben. It didn't happen. But here is another two opponents that Eubank Jr. could potentially face off against or at the minimum, chase after the winner of this now that he doesn't have a fight. And even though the fight uh, was postponed between him and Ben, it doesn't look like this fight's going to happen. It looks like the fight's going to end up getting canceled and these fighters are going to end up uh, going their own separate ways and potentially seeking other fights because it doesn't look like it's going to be something that clears up soon, especially if Ben ends up getting suspended. Eubank Jr. could easily not chase after the Golovkin or... 
or chase after a uh, a Charlo. Uh, who else is there? Janibek, because Andre is moving up to 168, apparently. These two fighters, Juan Macias, Juan Macias Montiel, who whose last fight came uh, against Jermal Charlo and lost uh, in that in that effort uh, for a title. Sorry, that was two fights ago for him. His previous fight was against uh, Valverde, Christian Valverde, and that was uh, December to close out uh, 2021. That was in December of 21, and that was a three rounder. Uh, it was a 10 round fight, but he won uh, by TKO in round three. That was his bounce back from his Jamal Charlo loss, which happened June of 2021. Now, that was a unanimous decision loss, a loss in which he challenged Jamal Charlo and put Jamal Charlo in muddy waters and a fight that if you go back and check out that episode that I did on that fight, the recap, it was a fight where my appreciation for Jamal Charlo grew even more because you saw him questioning and you saw him troubled and he answered the call and uh and and finished the fight and uh in great fashion uh, my appreciation for his style of fighting for his his um his grit uh grew uh for Jamal Charlo that is uh so now Montiel is stopped in this fight he gets knocked out in crazy fashion on his feet referee steps in and uh and and stops the fight waves off the fight as he was severely hurt and uh and kind of like the uh Baumgartner uh Terry Harper fight as uh as Terry Harper was basically knocked out on her feet this was the case here Montiel who later argued uh the stoppage uh was pretty dazed pretty confused pretty hurt and Adamas was just throwing bombs bombs away for Carlos Adamas and uh and Adamas improves to 22 and 1 with 17 of those victories coming by way of knockout. Uh the Dominican fighter of course has one loss and that was to Patrick Tejera uh in uh back in 2019. 22 and 1 with 17 knockouts. Carlos Adamas looks better than ever of course coming off of a lot of delays that were happening with this visa. This fight almost fell through, uh, leading to the fight with Montiel, where he was stuck in Mexico, basically, and wasn't didn't receive his visa until a couple days prior to the fight taking place. And uh, and by the time he made it, they didn't really have much of a weight cut. Uh, he just went straight to the scales and and successfully made weight. So very professional on his part. Also, a Carlos Adames who is. Um, is coming off of an emotional loss as he recently lost uh, his daughter uh, during uh, the birthing process. So very emotional. Uh, Carlos Adames, who stepped into the ring with nothing to lose, uh, with everything to gain, and uh, and and stepped into the ring with a heavy heart uh, and, and came out successful. I mean, he was just bombs away, and he hurt Montiel from the opening bell to the moment he stopped him in round three. So to Montiel, it's it sucks to have out of his last three fights, two of those are defeats to big names. His victory in December was a stay-busy fight. 
another big fight for for PBC. It was a pretty good undercard and a pretty good card overall, which needed to be because Sebastian Fundora, yes, they just made him a headliner against Carlos Ocampo, who's a lesser known fighter. Uh, obviously, they're selling the stock of Sebastian Fundora. He didn't look absolutely great, but he had a great supporting cast behind him with uh, with the co-main event with Martinez and Ancajas, Carlos Adames, of course, uh, and Montiel. That was another good good um, triple co-main event, I guess, or uh, or undercard fight. But that that to me stole the show. And the other fight that was there that caught my attention was Mean Machine was finally back in action. Mean Machine against Michael Fox, the another towering inferno for for the welterweights. Uh, of course, Fundora fights at 154, but this was a, a welterweight fight between uh, Cavaluskas and Michael Fox, and. And it ended up going all the way to a decision. Not sure how because um, Mean Machine had Fox in trouble from early in the fight. And he ended up dropping Michael Fox down. On a, and twice he dropped him uh, in round three. And Fox, of course, was on his bike, rounding about, rounding the ring, um, boxing from the outside, trying to keep Mean Machine at bay. Mean Machine, of course, gassed himself out in the first and the early portion of the fight, trying to eliminate Fox. And then from there, it became uh, a traditional boxing match uh, where every so often uh, Mean Machine would land big punches. But it was just uh, the effort for Michael Fox was too little and too far in between where Mean Machine comes away with the victory. Unanimous decision victory for him. He's back in the wing column. And, uh, and uh, I mean, Mean Machine's a fun fighter to watch for me. Mean Machine, I, I, I like every time that he steps in there. Of course, he ended up losing to Virgil Ortiz in uh in august of 21 and then he hadn't been in action so he was uh he was out of action for well over a year for longer than a year and um and from there i mean he's been in the ring with the likes of terence crawford another fight that he lost uh those are the the two defeats that he holds he has a draw against uh ray robinson uh and then both of the both of his losses were obviously stoppage losses but he's got 18 knockouts to his favor out of his 23 wins. This looked like he was going to be like it was going to be another stoppage win for him. It would have been his 19 knockout and the way that it was looking in round three, he was going to get Michael Fox out of there, but failed to do so. So he improves to 23, two and one with 18 knockouts to his favor. And, um, and it, and I hope he bounces back. I hope he doesn't have this long of a layoff again. I hope he bounces quickly back. And I would love to see Mean Machine against maybe a Keith Thurman at that. If Keith Thurman, who knows what the hell's happening with Keith Thurman, but hopefully we could see him in there. If not, get him in there against Boots Ennis. He would be a great test for Ennis and uh, another big name that, that he would be able to step in there against. If not, let's see him against Butayev. Let's see him against Dastanionis. Let's see him against Ugas. Who knows? Just get him in there. Hopefully he doesn't stay out for, for another long period of time. Uh, let's let's get him back in there because he, he deserves to have these fights. Maybe he could fight a Maurice Hooker who now campaigns at 147. Um, just get in there. I like Mean Machine. Mean Machine's always a fun fighter to watch. And um and he could definitely he could definitely have a have some good fights and some big wins with some big names in there. He has he's a big name himself. Uh and and I mean 
he's a good fighter. He's a really good fighter who doesn't get a lot of credit. And if you look at those two losses uh, against Virgil Ortiz and, of course, the one against Terrence Crawford, uh, those are big names. Virgil Ortiz on the up and up. Virgil Ortiz is kind of like on the same level as a Conor Ben, in my eyes, uh, maybe a little bit ahead. Uh, but Boots is right around that level as well. And they're just waiting. Just They're just one fight, maybe two fights out of just becoming fully known household names, Ortiz, Ennis, uh, and Mean Machine, who's challenged these fighters. He's, uh, he's a really good fighter who could, who could give a loss, hand a loss to any of these big names. Uh, and, and that's why I like Mean Machine, because I like his chances. I like what he, what he stands for. Uh, maybe he could fight Jamal James. Uh, maybe he could get in. That would be a good bounce back fight for Jamal James, uh, after his, uh, his defeat to Butayev. But, any of those fighters that I just named, Stanionis, Butayev, Ugas, uh, Jamal James, Ennis, uh, would be a great, great fight for a mean machine. So let's hope he doesn't have as long a layoff on this go around. But that's it. That's basically what happened, uh, this past Saturday night. The, the boxing event that did take place was in Carson, California and headlined by Sebastian Fundora, who is, um, next in line for Jamel Charlo. Uh, as far as uh, the WBC is concerned. And uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, other than that, Carlos Adames, I'm excited to see what he does uh, at 160 because Carlos Adames himself, after this victory with Montiel, climbs up the WBC rankings. And he now holds the interim version to Jermal Charlo. Sebastian Fundora holds the WBC interim title at 154 for Jermel. Carlos Adames now is a rightful holder and owner of the WBC interim title at 160 in line for Jermal. So is he going to get Jermal next? Who knows? Jermal's been inactive for quite a while now and hasn't defended that title in quite a while so we need to see either Adamis and Jamal or see Jamal against Janibek unify see Jamal against Golovkin would be ideal that would be a three fight three title unification bout we'll see what happens there um but Carlos Adamis is uh is is no joke Carlos Adamis is no joke and he looked impressive and what a way to sell himself into a big Charlo uh, fight if uh, if he's able to land that fight with a performance after the one he just had this past Saturday. So I'll leave you guys with that. Sebastian Fundora, successful, keeps his unblemished record intact. Carlos Adamis, successful, mean machine, successful. And of course, Fernando Martinez closes the chapter against Jerwin Ancajas, defeats him once again, and retains his title at 115. And he's a man to recognize now. And if we could get Martinez, uh, if this gets into the right ears and we could start planting the seed for a Fernando martinez Ben Rodriguez showdown, it would be amazing. So I'll leave you guys with that. Uh, thank you guys again for tuning in. Don't forget to uh, to comment, to follow me, and check me out on Twitter. Uh, you could definitely communicate with me there. Check out the show's Instagram page. That's where all the action is at. Check out the show's Instagram page. I mobilize this show uh, through Instagram. So uh, and of course through the podcast, uh, through the many podcast formats out there. Uh, so. 
Keep checking out the show. Uh, comment and communicate with me through the Instagram page. I love reading the comments and, uh, and I love communicating with you guys through there. Uh, so check out the post, check out the page and, uh, don't forget to tell your friends, your loved ones, uh, your coworkers, your buddies about, about the show. Thank you guys for the continued love, for the continued support, guys and gals. Continue love, continue support and for helping the show continue to grow each and every uh, week. Stay tuned for the upcoming episodes. I got plenty more to come that, that will be coming your way. Take care of yourselves. And as always, salud. Have a good night.